0: Well, good morning. We're going to be looking at the topic of bringing uh, reproach and uh, bringing reproach upon God, bringing reproach upon uh, uh, the church. And uh, Matt uh, was thinking about this and he said that would probably be a good lesson, so I'm doing it. He's going to follow me up on this. But, um, you know, kind of we've, you know, we briefly mentioned at the, in the, at the nine o'clock this idea of, you know, these these commands that we've been given, but also this wisdom that we should have and some things that are not necessarily spelled out pretty clearly, uh, That things that we ought to know and things that we ought to think about. And I think this is uh, one of those topics that fit into that category because I think we all understand what sin is in this room or what the consequences of that sin are, at least between me and God. I think we can we can very clearly see see that, but another thing that we have to think about is what what effect does my sin have on others that are that are not involved, or uh, is there impacts for those that are involved that are not necessarily as clear can be seen as as clear as, for example, any type of condemnation that I may have because I have sinned against God, and we're going to be looking at several verses that that. Talk about this out there, bringing reproach upon God, and we can see clearly that God, God is very concerned about how other people views Him and how your sin or what you may do, how that can impact other people's view about Him. And for example, in Second Samuel chapter twelve, verse fourteen, this is context of the sin of David and Bathsheba. Nathan comes to David, tells him of his sin. David recognizes his sin. He knows that he has sinned, but notice what he says. He says, However, because by this deed you have given great occasions to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you uh, shall surely die. And I almost forgot to mention when I'm talking about this idea of reproach, that word is closely related to this idea of defaming or defiling, uh, blaspheming as well. And so this is that same idea. And... So he sinned and God says his sins forgiven. But notice also what he's saying that your sin not only was was the sin as itself is a problem, but there are consequences outside of that that I'm going to punish you for. And the reason being is he says you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme and because of that that child is going to die. So think about that for a minute. Why, why would the enemies of the Lord be concerned about what David's doing? You think about that for a minute. You, he's a king, and he is king of a nation that from the very beginning, you know, in their law, it is they are separating themselves from these heathen nations. They're going to be acting different from all these people. They're going to be serving a God that's holy. God back in Leviticus says that if you're going to worship me, you're going to have to consider me to be holy. And so he's the king of God's chosen people as well. And so not only is he king, he was actually chosen by God to be king. And so the Gentiles, those nations around, they would under, obviously they would understand David's the king. But it's probably, I'm, I'm sure that news would have got out of this of, of God from the Jews saying that God had chosen this person to be king, and so this person who God has deemed fit to serve uh or to be king for his people, he breaks god's law and you just imagine if you had all those nations around him that are you know they're they're seeking to destroy that nation they're always seemingly always at war uh with uh Israel and when they see David doing this, you just think about the I guess you would say the ammunition that they would have against uh, David and his people and the God that they serve. And so he's going out doing this. You could imagine them saying, Well, they're, they're, he's doing the same things that our kings are doing or our, our people are doing. What difference is it between them? What difference is there between their God and our God? And so uh, we can see here that, you know, because of that, that those people in those nations, they're going to be thinking differently about God now because of what he's done. It's going to reflect that their perception of God is going to change because of what they see his people uh, doing and clearly uh, breaking their law. Also, another uh, story in 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19 Uh, this is a situation with uh, Sennacherib coming up against uh, uh, coming up against uh, Jerusalem, and Hezekiah is king at this point. And we see in chapter eighteen, Sennacherib, you know, basically taunting. Uh, uh, it seemingly is, is taunting uh, the Jews and what he is sh- saying. Uh, Hezekiah uh, prays, and then in verse twenty, we see. Uh, Isaiah coming to Hezekiah, saying and, and giving them the, uh, how God responded to Hezekiah's prayer. and He says, Then Isaiah the son of Ammon sent to Hezekiah, saying, uh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because ye have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Uh, this is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you, Laughed you to scorn, the daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted up your eyes on high? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have reproached the Lord and said, By the multitude of my chariots I have come up to the heights of the mountains. To the limits of Lebanon I will cut down its tall cedars and its choice cypress trees. I will enter the extremity of its borders to its fruitful forest." I have dug and drunk strange water, and with the soles of my feet I have dried up all the brooks of defense. Did you not hear long ago how I made it from ancient times that I formed, but now I brought to pass that you should be for crushing fortified cities into heaps of ruins? Therefore their inher- inhabitants had little power. They were dismayed and confounded. They were as the grass of the field and the green herb as the grass on the housetops and grain blight before it is grown." But I know your dwelling place, you're going out, and you're coming again, and you rage against me. Because your rage against me and your tumult have come to my ears, therefore I will put my hook into your nose, and I will bridle bridle on your lips, and I will turn uh, you back by the way which you came. I don't know what y'all, you know, when I read that, you know, I just think, well, this guy really did it here. I mean, if there was a way to... Basically, provoke God's wrath. This was it. He he had he had accomplished uh, his mission, and in verse twenty two, he says, "Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised uh, your voice?" In verse twenty three, says, "By your messengers, uh, you have reproached the Lord." And uh, just going back to Second uh, Kings chapter eighteen, verse twenty nine and thirty. In in here, you know this was. Uh, Really, I think this is probably at least part of what God is referencing here, but he's saying you know don't you know don't let Hezekiah deceive you this this uh god this this Lord the Lord that you serve don't believe all that he's not going to save you uh He also says that uh God himself has told me to come up against this land. And you know, no other uh, lands have come up against me. So don't trust in the Lord. Don't trust in Hezekiah. And so he's calling them to a question or faith question Hezekiah as well. He says that he goes on, and, and the good things that Hezekiah had done, uh, dist- I believe it was destroying these uh, altars or whatever, He's and, and Sennacherib mistakenly says, he, he's destroying these altars of the Lord as well. And so he doesn't even understand really what Hezekiah has been doing, but he's using all those actions to turn those people against him and God. And so he's saying, don't trust them. Don't, 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 don't trust in the Lord. And because of that, uh, he had reproached God. He had blasphemed God. He spoke evil of God. And we see a uh, God's response to that. And so, uh, we can particularly see that God just, just despises uh, people that reproach Him, that blaspheme Him. And God it, 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 at one point or another, He's going to take care of those people who are acted uh, in that manner. Going on to numbers chapter 14, uh, this was when, well, the first time that the, the, the people went to go, uh, the Israelites went to go spout the land of Canaan. And they respond saying it's too much for us. There's not the lamb. We can't. We can't. Uh, we can't take this land. And uh, God says, well, it's not here on the board, but God says, you know, I'm going to strike them with pestilence. I'm going to disinherit them. That's what he said. He said, I'm going to disinherit them. Then out of Mo- uh, then out of uh, then out of Moses, I'm going I'm to raise a great nation out of out of you. So he's totally done with Israel at this point. To the point of disinheritance, what I think is also a good point uh, for us as well to consider. But Moses uh, intervenes here. He says, Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear it, uh, for by your might you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which we have heard which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land, which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness, and now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long suffering and abundant in mercy forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty of visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. So Moses here is saying, look, if you do this, notice what effect that that's going to have on those people that have heard of uh, your fame. If you kill these people, they're going to say, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore, therefore we killed them in the wilderness. So they're going to look at that and say, well, God just didn't have the power to do that. So, going to Ezekiel chapter 20, here, uh, this is a reference back to that uh, same story. It says, in verse 10, says, Therefore I made them go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness, and I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. Moreover, I also gave them my sabbaths to be assigned between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they greatly defiled my sabbaths. Uh, then I said I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. But I acted for my name's sake that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles on whose side I had brought them out. So, I also raised my hand and oath to give them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land which I have given them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands, uh, because they despised my judgments and did not walk in my statutes, but profaned my Sabbaths, for their hearts went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eyes spared them from destruction. I did not make an inch of them in the wilderness. So, we see here that we can clearly see that God, here, uh, when Moses intervening, saying, Hey, this is what these people are going to say. He acted for his name's sake that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles. So we see God here restraining from the total the, the, the annihilation, total, total destruction of, of this nation, specifically for his name's sake, so that he would not be profaned uh, before the Gentiles. And so we see God issuing judgment because his name has been blasphemed or will be blasphemed or profane. And then here we see, well, God is, he still punishes Israel, but he's not totally annihilated him because of his name. And so, again, notice what all this is about. He's saying, I'm going to make sure that, the Gentiles don't profane my name. They don't, they're not going to be blaspheming. They're going to see me. They're going to see my righteousness. They're going to see my long suffering because I was, you know, I, I would have been totally justified to destroy these people, but I'm going to deal deal with them, suffer them, they're going to have consequences, but they're still going to continue as a nation. In Romans chapter two, in verses 17 through 24. I think this concept, so, of course, uh, Paul here, he's talking about the Jews, but I think this is very can apply very easily uh, for us today, uh, as Christians uh, today. Paul says, Indeed, you are called a Jew, and rest on the law, and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, And are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, alike to those who are in the darkness, and an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it, as it, as it, it is written. And so we can see uh, throughout the scriptures, uh, we can look at the, what we've been studying at nine o'clock for the last uh, several weeks, that these people, they they thought very highly of themselves. They thought that they, they knew the law, and of course they had knowledge of the law, but they, they, they would teach these people to, 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 to you know, act in obedience to this law, that you, they're going to be teaching them, they're going to be an instructor of the foolish, as verse 20 says. But then he turns around and says, you teach all of these things, and yet you do the same things that you teach against. You teach a man not to steal, you steal. You say don't commit adultery, but you commit adultery. And because of that, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. You dishonor God through the breaking of the law. And so these Jews, again, this holy, supposedly holy, righteous nation, they wouldn't want anything to do with these Romans at, at this time, but yet they're acting in ways just as, just as bad as these Romans are, the people around them are. And so why would, why would those people seeing all those things be motivated to serve this God? You think about that. You know why would these people why would these people consider serving these gods when I could when I can go serve my gods and we can all do the same thing and it's the same logic and the thought process that goes on today. You know why would I why would I be a part of uh, this congregation or this church when I can just go do my own thing and I still act better than all them all they do. They're just a bunch of hypocrites and and that doesn't make what they're saying true. They're still going to be held accountable for God. What God's God's truth is still going to be truth, regardless of, of who's preaching it. What the Jews was preaching was truth, but it's their perception of that because of our actions that affect uh, their believing or, or 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 lack of belief in God. And so not and so people, you know, their perception of us uh, affects their at least to some degree can affect uh, their belief. Uh, in God and so when we're thinking about our own sins especially when we're talking about the side of the repentance last week this public confession and this repentance over this public sin that when people see this that it's not it's not just between me and the person that I've sinned well there is it's between me and this, uh, the person that I've sinned against but also there's other people uh, impacted by this if you're a member of this congregation, you go commit that that sin. I can be impacted by that because they're going to sit there and say, "Well, oh, you go to this church where so and so who's was caught drinking last last night. Y'all two worship with the same group, uh, same congregation. Well, us say something about the congregation, and I'm going to mold my uh, view of you because of what these other people are doing." And this is what the Gentiles were doing here. And so we had a lesson a while back, I think, on. A reputation of a Christian and how important that is, and that plays into this idea of blaspheming or reproaching uh, God. Matthew chapter eleven. Notice, so they 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 were uh, you know they were claiming to be teachers of the law, but they just they just had this hard heart. They were stiff-necked, and Jesus here in Matthew chapter eleven, he says, you know, all these different uh, nations. Uh, you know this Tyre and Sidon. You know they would have, they would have repented long ago if they if they seen the things that you've seen. You know these uh, immoral. You know known for the these countries that were known for their immorality. Uh, you know and so it, here in verse twenty four, referencing to Sodom as well. You know just you know full of of, of sin, and he said if, if these people would have seen seen this. They would have repented if Sodom would have seen this. They it would have remained until this day, so they would have repented as well. And so, they have had all these mighty works. They're doing. They've seen these things, and yet they don't believe. And so, God here, you know, going back to what we see in Romans chapter two, uh, you know, what they're doing and their lack of belief in the law and the prophets is is, is causing God's name to be blasphemed amongst the Gentiles. And so they're going to be punished for that. And just their general lack of faith uh, in the gospel as well, it's going to be, uh, as Jesus puts it, it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom, Tyre, and Sidon than it is going to be for those people uh, that just refuse. They have, they have everything. They've been given all this information, yet they still refuse to believe them. And so God is going to uh, condemn those who act in this matter. Right. So God was blasphemed because the Jews knew God's law, yet uh, did not follow it, And so, again, that's the same for us today. God can be blasphemed if I don't follow God's law for me today. And again, kind of similar to what we've talked about at 9 o'clock. If I say that I'm knowing him, that I know him, that I follow him, that I believe him, and I don't do what he's saying, I'm a liar. The truth is not in me. Can't get any more clear than that. And so, uh, and again, if I know know him, I ought to be following in him. And if I'm not following in him, I'm I'm a liar, and I'm also possibly going to be bringing reproach upon God because it's going to impact, it's going to reflect on him and what others believe about him. Uh, that this person that's a follower that the, that God must not be not be a holy God, or must not be uh, you know must not be a that much of a God, uh, if he lets his followers just do whatever they want to, there's no standard in which they follow, and their his followers himself, their followers himself uh, don't follow what he has given us. First Corinthians chapter five, verses one and three. Y'all, I'm sure all of you, most of you know these passages of scriptures. It says uh, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such. Sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed is absent in body, but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed. So here we have a situation of sexual immorality. A man has his father's wife. Notice what Paul says about this. He says, the Gentiles don't even do this. The Gentiles know that this ain't right. It says y- you, or Christians, are doing this. And it says not only that, it says you are puffed up you're, and you haven't mourned. You ought to be distraught over what's going on, but you're puffed up. And he says uh, that he who's done this might be, might be taken away from you. And so, uh, you know, think about this. What do you think a Gentile thought about these Christians and their faith? So Gentile through (laughs) Corinth, and they they see what's going on, and they they say, I wouldn't. That's you know, that Corinthian church is calling out our immorality. They're saying we ought not to be doing this, that, or the other, and yet they're doing these immoral things. It's clearly immoral, and things that we wouldn't even do, and so it would be it would be hard for me to rationalize being a part of or at least as a gentile being part of a group uh, that is engaging in activities that i wouldn't even participate in that was it's so immoral that the world itself just just seemingly out of its own just understood that this isn't supposed to happen and yet these corinthians who claimed to, or this, this church who claims to hold ourselves to this higher standard are doing these things that we wouldn't even participate in. And it will certainly impact, not only, of course, it would impact those Christians who were actually doing this, but the Christians that were not a part of this. I'm, I'm sure that there were Christians there that uh, understood what was going on. It may have just been one or two, but you know, even those that, even if they uh, did not, were not participating in this, it would impact them as well. Certainly would impact how we think about uh, God, and so when we think about this idea, not only does it bring reproach on God, but it's also bringing reproach on that church and the, and the members of that congregation as well. And so again, if I commit sin, not only do I think about what the consequences for me is, but also for those if they if that if that sin gets out and it's publicized, what how what does that say about the congregation which I'm a member at? What does it say about my family? And so there's other people in this equation that we have to consider uh, when, we, when we are thinking about uh, engaging in some type of sin. In James chapter 3, in verses 1 through 5, it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bribe the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn the whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, whereof the pilot desires. Even so, tongues, the tongue is a little member and boasts many things. And so James starts talking about, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And, he, and it goes on, and he starts talking about the tongue and the power of the tongue. And I think we can all understand that I, I, I believe what James is saying here uh, primarily is, if you're a teacher, you better take care of what you're saying, because you're, what you what you say is going to be influencing others. And if you're teaching something that's not true, you're leading others uh, in these false ways, uh, you're as Jesus puts, you're uh, a blind leading the blind, so to speak. That you don't know the truth, and you're leading those people in the same way. But also think about how a teacher's action uh, can impact those that are that are listening to his teachings as well. There was a situation here in Columbus just happened just a few weeks ago. Preacher at one of these churches locally engaging in something that is very simple. Won't mention what it is, but you read the newspaper about it, and these people that were involved with it, it's changed their view on lots of things. You know, there's, you know and, and so it's going to have a lot lasting impact on how, of course, they view that church in which that preacher was part of, but also how they view God, you know, at least in their minds. It's how does, you know, you know am I going up against, as somebody wrote, says, am I going up against God by speaking out about these things that this preacher was doing? And so, obviously, they weren't. But you can see how uh, people can be misled by these people and these people in in this authority, uh, how much influence uh, they can have over those over those that are listening to those uh, teachings. So God condemns those that are teachers and not doers of the words. It's just what we talked about in Romans chapter two. So if you're not a teacher, if you're teaching this. And, of course, obviously, if you're holding to these false teachings, God's going to condemn you. But also, if you're not holding to what you teach uh, in and of itself, uh, you're going to be condemned. And those who do not follow the word or hold to false teachings bring reproach upon God and the church. And so for us standing here teaching, and also I think that anybody, any of us is doing any type of teaching, even if that's just evangelism, uh, what we say matters and holds a lot of weight for those that hear those things. So moving on, we'll spend a little bit uh, on what should be the Christian's reputation. How should those of the world uh, see us? And if you remember, again, I did this lesson on reputation. You'll see some similar things. I was looking at this topic, and I was like, this just fits pretty good uh, in here. That So we've seen how... Uh, we can bring reproach upon God and the church and uh, those that are around us. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, we see how Christians ought to truly be. It says, You are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, standing it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, they're going to see you. So he puts it as a, you know, you're going to have a light, uh, a light on a lampstand. So when somebody sees you, it's not they're going to they're going to see something different. Even if they're not really seemingly this idea, is not even if they don't talk to you a lot. Even if they just pay attention to the things that you're, that you're doing, they're going to see something that's different about you. They're going and they're going and they're going to, they're going to uh, know. At least, uh, they're going to see that you're probably, at least in this era, probably that you are a follower of God, simply by your action, and of course, by uh, of course, by the things that you talk uh, and say as well. But he says, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven." So you're going to be busy about uh, doing God's will. They're going to see those good works that you have done, and because of that, that's going to glorify your Father in heaven. So they see you see the contrast of committing these sins that blaspheme God versus seeing your good works and glorifying your Father. You see how that works. So that again, uh, what you're doing uh, has uh, a, an impact on others' perception of God. If they see that you're truly following God, they're going to say, you know, probably a lot of them is going to say, well, that's just a breath of fresh air. Somebody's really doing what they claim to believe. But they're going to, it's going to change or at least influence how they see uh, God. So we should be lights to the world. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5 it says, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, are redeeming the time. And so, again, there's going to be, of course, I think we can recognize the difference between sinful and, uh, and non sinful activities. But here he says, Walk in wisdom <coughs> towards those who are outside. So there's going to be some things that that may or may not, that, that aren't sinful in themselves that I may engage in because of those that are around me. As Paul put it, to a Jew I became a Jew. There's going to be some things that I may do uh, because, um, you know, the, the end goal of that. You know, I want them to bring them uh, to God. And he also says redeeming the time as well. So it's this seemingly this idea i get this idea of kind of this urgency that you are you're paying attention to what you're doing and recognizing that uh you know you ought to be busy about these things and every opportunity that you have you're you're taking those uh, opportunities and so we're always representatives of christ and we should act in that way and so i'm not going to be pushing my will on somebody uh if i if i don't have to you know, if this is if I'm engaging in something that's not, you know, if it's not a sinful activity, I ought to be willing to yield uh, to others and what they would like to do. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, uh, they they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so. Along with this lesson, I think there's uh, uh, we have to understand that there's going to be some people that's going to speak evil against Christians no matter what they do. Recognize that. Peter says that. They're going to speak against you as evildoers. But he says you still have your conduct honorable amongst them. And even though they view you as evildoers, they're going to see your good works and they will glorify God in the day of visitation. They're going to recognize that even though they don't, have, they don't want nothing to do with God. They recognize your good works and the good that you're doing. And because of that, uh, it says that they're going to glorify uh, God in the day of visitation. So we see that we're always representative of Christ. We ought to always strive to have our conduct honorable amongst Gentiles, amongst those who are outside. And always be mindful of, you know, again, you know, what my actions say about, of course, me, but also about God, about the, the church as well. And so it's not just as simple as, well, I've sinned and now I ought to repent against God. There's other things involved with it that I need to pay attention to and be careful of, especially if it's a sin of a public nature. I want to make sure that I make those things right publicly as well. And so uh, this is the end of the lesson. I hope it's been uh, useful uh, for all of you. Uh, We do have to extend this time of invitation here. If there's someone here who's not uh, walking in a manner that's worthy towards God if Maybe if they've brought some type of reproach Upon God by their actions uh, We certainly uh, uh, offer any type of prayers That we may uh, give If you need to confess anything Or if you're not a Christian And you'd like to be a part of the kingdom uh, We'd certainly like to talk, with you, talk to you about those things And I certainly would love for you to uh, become one And so if you have any need uh, Please come forward as we stand and as we sing